0: We'll count it down. We'll start in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America College Podcast, along with Jim Shoder, to Mike Lannan, John Manuel, in the soon-to-be exited Baseball America Podcast Nook. It's getting a little empty in here, so I think it's a little echoey than it used to be. Um, not necessarily built for recording podcasts, but we turned it into the Nook anyway uh, seven years ago, and uh, it has served its purpose well over the low these many years before we empty it out of all these old books and uh, and move on to better digs at least for the podcast uh, the podcast is sponsored by Louisville Slugger. you can visit them both on Twitter and on Instagram at Slugger Nation. It's a fun way to follow what's going on in college baseball throughout the week. And guys we're, we're coming down the home stretch for conferences that have league tournaments. this is the last week of the regular season and we had some turnover in the top 10. We're going to focus on the top 10 for the first part of the podcast, but we're also going to talk about some of the quote unquote mid major leagues where there was some real movement this week, including the Colonial Athletic Association where College of Charleston had a big weekend, Rice's sweep of Florida Atlantic. We'll talk a little bit about that. And as usual, we take your podcast questions both on Twitter or at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Let's start right off at the top, guys. LSU and UCLA stay at the top of our rankings at one and two. Little news, I guess, LSU with a sweep of Missouri despite the Jared Foster suspension. And this is a guy I thought he was going to be signed last year. I thought he was one of their top prospects last year. He's athletic, former football walk on there, has moved from the outfield to second base this year, mm-hmm. had eight home runs, uh, but it seemed like they just roll right on. Danny Zardon, I guess, is the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's from yeah. Florida, but I think if he were Cajun, it'd be a funner pronunciation of his name. Um, they just kind of plug Danny Zardon straight in there, guys. And it just seems like no matter what happens to LSU in terms of adversity, they figure out a way to win that weekend, whether it's a pitcher not pitching that weekend, or Jared Foster being academically ineligible, or Jared Poche pitching three innings. I, I'm incredibly impressed with their season. I don't know. Is there? How can you knock? What's the What's the knock on LSU besides the top pitchers there are all freshmen and sophomores? Is there Is there one, Jim?
1: I don't know that there really is. I mean, we'll see how this goes with putting Zardón at second base. I think he did make a, a big error at the end of the game yesterday, but. Um, yeah, I mean, they just keep rolling right along. And they're, I mean, there's a reason they've only lost one series all year, and they kind of just kind of had, had their one bad weekend against Kentucky. And you know, I mean, there are, there are little things you might could pick out. I mean, Jesse Stallings couldn't close one down yesterday because of the Zardón made an error at second base. But, I mean, there are these maybe little things that maybe if they're in a tight game in a regional, maybe something happens. But, I, I mean, pick. that's what it would, you know, on, on balance. They're, I mean, I think they, they – Felt they were the best team all along, and that's not, uh, that's not changing.
0: I mean, if they're uh, right now, I guess they started what Bauman? Kyle Bauman on mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah, that, that didn't been work last out. long. <laughs> um, but Austin Bain's been good. Uh, you know, he's one of their top strikeout pitchers. He's someone they've kind of resuscitated Jake Godfrey a little bit in a relief slash midweek role. I don't, know, Mike. You, is there a knock in your mind on on LSU a significant knock or?
2: No, I mean I don't think there's a significant knock. At all with them, honestly. I mean, before the year, our hesitance with putting them number one was really just the the youth on that pitching staff. Right, and they've shuffled things around a little bit, but it's still been an effective staff. And it seems like when one guy goes down or when one guy's ineffective, they're able to plug in another another starter, usually another freshman. You know, you look at Austin Bain and what he's done, and they've been able to find success. and it is a lot like, you know, before the season, Paul Mineary was talking about his Notre Dame team yeah. that, that had sort of a similar sort of structure to it where it was a veteran offense and uh, a freshman pitching staff and how they were able to, to make it to Omaha with that group. And it seems like this group could do the same thing. You know, it's looked like a, an Omaha-quality caliber team.
0: From day one. Indian.
2: Yeah, it's, it's so, you know, I, I, think, I think they're one of the most complete teams out there, I, I also do really like UCLA, and I really like Louisville too. I think those right. top three are really in another class compared to the rest of this group.
0: I think you're right. I think those teams have separated themselves a bit. They're in three of the top conferences, three deep conferences. They've been tested. Mm-hmm. You know, LSU leads, even they don't have near the star power pitching wise that Vanderbilt has, um, whether it's in the bullpen or in the rotation. Yet they've given up fewer runs in an SEC play. You know Vanderbilt has the better ERA, but LSU's given up one less run than the uh, than the Commodores. Um, they're toward the bottom of the league in walks, are toward the top of the league in strikeouts. Statistically, LSU can really pitch. I- I'm just I'm stunned that they've been this consistent on the mound with this young of a pitching staff. I just think Alan Dunn and Paul Maneri have done a great job with the pitchers over there. And then UCLA, I guess, guys, the other, you know, just working on this top 10. UCLA and Louisville, with their top pursuers, uh, uh, going head to head this weekend with their top pursuers. And when UCLA's case, it was on the road. And is there a more valuable relief pitcher in the country, or has there been for the last four years than David Berg? This guy <laughs> just soaks so. up innings. And they play a 17 inning game this weekend. and, Hey, Ryan Burr had to go three. He peters out, and David uh, D- David Berg is just sitting there yeah. chucking him knuckle dragon for six innings. Keeps UCLA in it. They win that seventeen inning game, and they wind up winning the series. And, and LS- UCLA just kind of total command of the Pac-12, and that's a good league, guys. Uh, it's a good mm-hmm. league every year. This is a good year in the Pac-12, yeah. and UCLA's kind of in a has put itself in a commanding position now in the league. I- I'm I'm as impressed with UCLA in the many different ways they could win. Uh, not just early, it seemed like it was offense. Now it seems like their bullpen, uh, whether it's Forbes or Berg or uh, Dyer, yeah. they have multiple ways to beat you out of the bullpen.
2: Yeah, I don't think you can find a better bullpen unit or a better bridge to the closer, maybe even a closer, in college baseball than what UCLA has. And the way they're able to mix and match and you know get different arm, arm slots into the games, different types right. of pitchers, and that way really throws offenses Offense is off, especially when you have Berg, you know, throwing with the, the submarine motion at the end of the game. So it's, it's a team that's really, I mean, there's just, with, with UC Santa Barbara getting knocked around a little bit uh, against Fullerton this weekend, you could argue it's the best pitching staff in college baseball. You know, James Caprillion has really come on strong of late. He's, he's been phenomenal. Griffin Canning, a, a freshman, has been outstanding since moving from midweek to, to weekend rotation. I think they've found the, the right role for Cody Poteet because he right. really struggled, a, a guy who has great stuff, but he struggled in that rotation early in the year, and now they've kind of used him as a hybrid guy, you know, in between the bullpen and and, and starting, and he, they've found the right mix for him. So it, it's a group that's very deep on the mound, and Savage obviously knows what he's doing with the, with the pitching staff. And I, their lineup is is kind of top-heavy, but, right. but one through five... You're not going to find many lineups that are better one through five than the, what they have going.
0: Yeah, early on it seemed like guys who were kind of trying to figure out, well, how much of this is real for their lineup and how much of this is the Hostra series. You know, have yeah. to put it on too fine a point on it. But <laughs> I know early when I looked at the numbers, that's what I, that was. What I was wondering, you know, they at least Jim get competitive at bats from the mm. bottom of their lineup, and you they they're just a little more dangerous physically. At the top of their lineup with Keck and Moore this year than they have been in, in past years, I, I don't know. They, they just feel like a team that again they're fairly complete, like mm. uh, LSU is. I feel they're better on the mound than LSU, but not not by a lot. And uh, I love James Caprillion. I'll go uh, with the, the guy they start with Caprillion and the guy they finish with Berg. I'll put them up with any team in the country, uh, LSU, uh, UCLA, and you know maybe he's, he's look at Vanderbilt with a Fulmer. But they don't have that back end answer. No, that's certain. Like UCLA does, uh, John Savage certainly knows how to fill it out in between. But the alpha and the omega, there are pretty good.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think UCLA is pretty clearly the they're the best team out in the West. They're they've pretty they've separated themselves from the rest of the of the pack there. And I mean, yeah, they are very complete. They've got they've got you know another consistent guy in Grant Watson on uh, Saturdays and. You know, a veteran guys are yeah. mm-hmm, good to have a senior there. So there's not many holes there. I mean, and they've actually, I mean, they've hit. They don't hit as many home runs in conference play. They have still hit well. I mean, they're hitting 286 as a team in uh, in Pac-12 games. I think Daryl Miller Jr.'s guy's actually been better in conference play. He's right. up over 280, and then he's still got uh, what five guys hitting over 300 in the uh, mm, in the league.
0: Guys. I think it's, we're supposed to say in and out guys. Uh, exactly, talking about a West Coast team,
1: but but uh, yeah, I mean they're. There really aren't, uh, aren't many faults you can find there. They've made, you know, they're, they're, they're a very complete team.
0: And I'm going to stick in the Pac-12 just for a minute, guys, because the Pac-12 had a pretty interesting weekend. Um, what, what does this do for Arizona State, Jim? I think like, I feel like all year we've had the Sun Devils um, ran, hosting a regional. Now they're in mm-hmm. a three-way tie. Some would call it a cluster. Some would add an extra syllable there. It's like a three-way cluster for second place mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. And if we debated the Sun Devils quite a bit in the rankings this weekend, uh, this morning, I should say. It's a team that hasn't played too well for a while. They lost a series at UCLA, lost a series at Cal last weekend, lost a game to Tennessee Tech, which is just not, you know, it's a 500 team. They lost a midweek game in Arizona. Um, the last two, three weeks, it feels like there's been a little slippage for this ASU team. Are they still, gonna? I mean, you're projecting for this weekend, off the top of my head, they're not going to, they look more like a one seed, I mean, like a host as a two seed, if there were the need for that, then they look yeah. like a one seed and a host right now. Am I crazy?
1: No, I think you're right. And it's, it's getting really tricky out there, because out of all the, because it's, all these West teams, with them and the Trojans, have both kind of slid back a bit in the RPI. And I'll say UCSB losing their series. They're down to third in the Big West, which we'll, we'll talk more about the Big West later. But um, so they're, they're not guaranteed to be a one seed anymore. And,
0: and here I mean, comes you can't Cal. Exactly, Cal. Because Cal's got the next two weekends, yeah, I think a lot's going to come down to the Trojans mm-hmm. and how they're playing. Exactly. They're at Cal next weekend, and they're home to Arizona State. So the three teams in, that are tied at second, in the Pac-12, play each other the next two weekends. USC is the one unifying uh, team there. Jimmy, you and I clash in the, me- in the meeting over the Trojans this morning over who's going to rank whom. I'll tell you, I am not bullish on USC, but I just didn't know what else, who else to put. I didn't want to drop them, but they pitched two shutouts this weekend, and at the same time, they pitched two shutouts, and I still feel like their their pitching's like more tenuous now than it's been. Most of the year, as they, uh, you know, de- dig in. they still don't really know who their Friday guy is. I assume mm-hmm. it's going to remain Kyle, Davey, Kyle Davis now, but who'd they start Friday last week? It was, uh, I keep forgetting his name, uh, the, uh, Tyler Gilbert. Mm-hmm. So, is there, I would have said, coming into the year, you would have said Kyle Toomey. Then it was Gilbert, now is it going to be Davis from mm-hmm. closing to starting? How does he bounce back after throwing a complete game? I mean, those are all really trends to watch for, for USC. Uh, I guess I'm not as impressed with them shutting out uh, <laughs> Stanford, um, which has certainly had its challenges offensively this year. But I, I, I'm I'm not sure what I think of USC. the they they you get two shutouts over the weekend. Uh, who do you like in that handicap that race? USC, Arizona State, Cal. That's the last, uh, the next three weeks. You guys both saw Cal Friday. I got rained out of Cal Saturday. I couldn't stay all night, but uh, right. so I missed them. But uh, those three teams. I think talent-wise, I think I like Cal best of those three teams. It doesn't mean they're going to be the number 2 team, but they want to they want to try to host too. They want to put in a bid to host. Handicap that for me, guys. Uh, who do you guys like uh, to be that second place Pac-12 team when in the when the dust is settled in a couple exactly. weeks?
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't we didn't see Mike and I didn't see Cal at their best. They uh, lost to Campbell on Friday night, but uh and then they, they swept the doubleheader on Saturday with uh, to win the series, but Anyway, I mean, it does feel like they're the one team that's really kind of trending up because they, they beat uh, Arizona State the week before, you know, now they win this. I mean, this, if there was ever a trap series, it was this one. Fly across tracks. fly across the country to uh, play a uh, you know, mid-major. And I'm but, leaving uh, Oregon
0: State out of this, which is, hmm. I should not do. They're a half game back. They and are, they yeah. get, And they get, Cal, they get Cal last weekend of the season, too. So the fact that I'm not including the Beavers is just a mistake mm-hmm. on my part.
1: But um, it's kind of tricky with... I mean, I like, I feel like Cal, Cal and Oregon State both feel like they're trending up. But they're, they have, might have too far to go in the RPI. I mean, looking, Oregon State's right. 39, non-war Nolan here, Cal's, Cal's 41. War War. Yep. You know, the other two, USC and ASU are both in the 20s, so they're, it's more attainable for them. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, you kind of would assume that whoever does finish in second will get the host regional. But right now, I mean, one of these teams is going to have to get hot probably feel, to, to get there.
0: I guess what I'm, my other point is I feel like more than one other. I, I, I would love to see two or three of these four teams host. And I feel like they all have a good case, guys. I mean, to me, these teams all are more worthy than anyone other than the top three teams in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah. These teams are more worthy or as worthy as, say, Iowa. You know, they're, they're comparable. And I, I know that it's a good year in the Big Ten, and we've talked about it all year. And we will talk about it later in this podcast. But to me, these, all these, there's not a dime's worth of difference between these Pac-12 teams. And if USC can win its last two series, or if Oregon State can win its last two series, or if any of these teams can win the last two series here and get a little separation, I feel like that team should host. But it's not exclusive that only one of these four teams we're talking about in this race for second um, will be a, uh, you know will be able to win its final two series. Is there any other Pac-12 team before you weigh in, Mike? Is, it, is there another Pac-12 team that you feel like you could uh, vouch for as a regional team? Oregon's a little bit hotter lately. Their RPI seventy-six. UW, Arizona. Arizona. Feels like this is these five teams are going to get in, and all five of these teams to me have a decent argument to host. If not, I would love to see three of these teams host instead of just two. Does that make sense? Right.
2: Yeah. No. I, I think. I mean, I've thought most of the most of the year that the, the top of the Pac-12. May very well be the best group, best top of a conference in the country. It's
0: the best group of five. The, pack, uh, the, yeah, the mm-hmm. SEC has LSU, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Florida. Yeah. I guess Arkansas is the fifth team, but there's not a yeah. clear five. Whereas this league does. I, not, Oregon State, Arkansas; those two teams are pretty similar in my mind. They're very similar in the RPI.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know I've seen I've seen USC and Cal. I didn't see Cal at their best, but I do I do like USC, and I do think. You know, Kyle Davis was going to be their, their Friday guy coming into the year, but okay. he he rolled his ankle um, before the season started, and so they just decided to, to move him into the back end, and he's, he's dealt with some nagging injuries here and there. So they've kept him in that closing role, but I could see him sticking in that Friday role going forward. Okay. Obviously, we'll have to see how he bounces back from that complete game. I mean, he threw a lot of pitches. Yeah. You know, you never know. I mean, you look at uh, Jared Poche at LSU. He threw a complete game last week, and then this week only lasted three innings. So right. he's been stretched out all year. So you know, you're not going to know how he's going to pitch. But Davis might be fresh. I mean, he who knows? Be, he might yeah. be
0: fresh because he doesn't have. 80 innings yeah. under his belt. I mean, that might be for the
2: best. Yeah, no, it could be. But I, you know, I do like, and they have they still have Mark Huberman at the back end of that bullpen, and he's been he's been great for them all year. He's a really quality lefty, and Kyle Toomey come on strong of late, and Mitch Hart. You know, he's a freshman, so he's been up and down at times. But when he's on, he's very good, and as as we saw this weekend, and and that's his second complete game shutout of the year yeah. as a freshman, which is which is impressive. You know, as your Sunday starter. So, and I do still like the athleticism that they have in their lineup. I do like the veteran balance that they have. You know, it's going to be a tough finish to this season for them because they're they're facing Cal, and, and then they're facing Arizona State. So they're yeah. facing their main competition there for that, that second spot.
0: Like you guys said, Cal wasn't at its best. I do want to yeah. do a quick window on how this series was scheduled. So I was correct. I don't remember exactly. I wasn't writing down anything when I was talking to Coach Esker and his staff. Great to meet uh, Coach New in person finally and Coach De San, uh, Brian San Filippo. I think I'm adding an extra syllable in there. I think it's just <laughs> Brian San Filippo. First of all, those guys were great guys. A lot of fun. I've talked to Coach Esker for years and years. and um, he's got, He does have relatives in this area. His wife is from this area. I think he's got a sister in law in New Bern. sticks out of my head. So he never minds coming to the Carolinas, but they were supposed to play Texas Tech this week. And then Texas Tech's exams got moved, and they were going to try to play a Tuesday Wednesday series at Texas Tech, and not play this weekend. Then Texas Tech said, "How about just a Tuesday doubleheader?" That couldn't happen, but it was fun to get a little window into college scheduling, and basically, it was just like a network of Campbell saying, "Hey, what we we got? You know, our series got canceled this weekend. The team pulled out on us. How can we make this work?" Because the, the conversation started, and they were able to make things work. And I mean, I cannot imagine. Mike New, is recruiting coordinator at Dave Esker, if you're going to Lucas Ersig's house when he's a high school junior, and you're like, look, you come play for Cal, you're going to get to go play in Phoenix, you're going to get to go play in Los Angeles, you're going to play in Seattle, you're going to play in, in, in Oregon, you're going to play in Bowie's Creek, you're going to stay in Dunn off I-95. There's a brass lantern restaurant there. You know, what I mean, like, that's where they stayed. And those players, just talking to some of the Cal players briefly, because um, I'm more of the of the age of the coaches, so that's who I talk to. Um, but the players were kind of chuckling at the situation and their surroundings. But it was really neat for Campbell. It was neat for us mm-hmm. to to have Cal come in there. I, again, I'm bummed I didn't get to see them actually play. But kudos to Justin Hare, the head coach at Campbell, and to Coach Esker and the Bears for that series coming off. I tell you, Cal, to me, they're just, again, that physicality and their power. That they're power hitters you know, I'm looking at USC, and A.J. Ramirez has eight walks all year, eight home runs, and 55 strikeouts. <laughs> Yoikes in the way, uh, to quote Daffy Duck. That's not great numbers. Yeah. And since his hot start, K.J. Harrison's kind of cooled off. He's starting to adjust a little bit more back into Pac-12 play offensively, but feels like offensively, again, Oregon State kind of more resembles UCLA in that it's really a very top-heavy um, offense, I, I, I'm you know I, I kind of like Cal best of those four teams between Cal, Arizona State, USC, and Oregon State. If I had to pick one, I'd pick Cal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, which one do you like best out of those four teams, uh, Mike?
2: I I would probably go USC, but obviously, they have a lot of ways to win. They had they do have a lot of ways to win. It, it's going to be interesting to see how they finish this year after not. You know, making the tournament since you right. know, 2005, so you know it's gonna be interesting to see how they finish. But I know they they still have the bad taste in their mouths from the way last season ended and how they were close but not close enough. Right. So we'll see if the veterans on they, that team. They've
0: definitely the... used that motivation well this year, Jim. If you had to yeah. pick one of those four teams, uh, which one do you like?
1: I'll take the the uh, the Bears there. Like they're they're I like they're balanced. Like they got a good mix of kind of youth. They got you know good you know sophomores there, like guys like Urseg and. Uh, Dalton Jeffries and they got some freshmen there with you know Cumberland the catcher and some of these guys but yeah I like their I like their mix and I'm a little kind of like you alluded to you know what we were saying in our, our meetings there I'm a little I'm a little down on the Trojans. They not not on their talent but just I mean they've been kinda
0: they've been, they've been, been kind of muddling
1: along these last few weeks. They keep kinda going two and two every week. They'll play you know, Stanford and Utah. They don't sweep any of those teams and you know they'll lose you know they'll lose a midweek game I think my when I looked at they hadn't won, they haven't won more than two games in a row in like a month since they I think they have not since they swept Arizona like in early April that was the last time they won more than two in a row so I mean so that's kind of why I wouldn't that's why I'm hesitant to kind of project them as a host just because they have to it's hard to see them getting hot all of a sudden I mean they could they've got it in them we've seen them do it but I mean all of a sudden they got to go uh, you know go to Cal and host the Sun Devils I mean it's uh, you know, based on their you know their current uh, ways, I don't. Really, it's hard to really see them going five and one there. But uh, I like I seeing I
0: like seeing this. Though. I like how the league is. That league is really tight, and the top of that league fascinates me. And uh, with that many, and I don't think there's a lot of separation between any of those teams. And the the last two weeks will be fascinating. I think a lot of us are going to forget about it because there'll be conference tournaments going everywhere. Exactly, they're going to be really crucial Pac-12 series. that have seating and. Uh, hosting implications going on the last weekend of the season. Um, I'm really interested in that. And I, I do feel like the team that I'm most worried about out of those four is the Sun Devils. I like their team. I like, but it feels like their weekend pitching staff is just okay. I feel like every game with Ryan Burr is an adventure. Every outing is an adventure for Ryan Burr. That's kind of how he's always been, but the 20 walks and 35 uh, innings, that's just kind of who he is. But Martinez, Lillick, and Kellogg, those guys are good, not great. It's a good weekend rotation. There's not an ace, mm-hmm. there's not a standout, and there's not really a standout in the lineup. Um, so, I'm I'm uh, I'm a little lukewarm on the Sun Devils out of all those teams, but I like the Pac-12 discussion. The ACC is the opposite; it doesn't have depth. It's three teams, and the rest of it is um, really mediocre. But Louisville this weekend, guys. I think the quote from Mike uh, Martin was. We're heartbroken right now in that clubhouse. They had a big lead and couldn't hold it on Sunday. So Louisville, Kyle Funkhauser's backing up. Uh, He's backing up down the draft. He's uh, lost back-to-back starts. He gets hammered, really, on Friday. And Louisville, again, This that toughness to uh, have your ace get his hat handed to him and come back and win the series. Uh, Granted, it was at home, but to clinch first place in the league in that fashion... I was extremely impressed. Again, this is another team that guys just really hard to punch a hole in this team. Outside of maybe that Mm -hmm. Sutton Whiting's got twenty plus errors, I mean, I don't don't see a big hole in this team. Uh, I'd like to see them field a little better at shortstop, but I mean, what's the negative on these guys, Mike? I mean, is there a negative on Louisville?
2: I mean, for a little bit, it was just a lack of, of power in that lineup, not yeah. having a, a guy in the middle of that order, but Corey Ray has really stepped into that role of late. He's been Absolutely. on fire, so I don't, I'm not sure you could say that anymore about them, and when I look at them and I look at their pitching staff, it reminds me a little bit of UCLA with just how many yeah. arms that they can turn to. I mean, Funkhauser's been struggling a little bit lately, but when he's on, there aren't pitchers that are much better than he is and Brendan McKay's been great all year since moving into that Saturday role Josh Rogers yeah Josh Rogers has really has really found it too I mean his first three or four starts of the year were shaky and when we were I mean I was really worried about their their staff with with kids in the way he was struggling and um the way Rogers was struggling as well, but he's come on strong and he's pitching really well. And then you look at the bullpen and you have a lot of hard throwers back there, and you have a birdie back there who's going to hit ninety eight, you know, ninety nine, you know, on a good day. So they're he's they're a scary serious. they're a scary team to face. And Drew Harrington,
0: I mean, Drew Harrington's had a fantastic yeah. year. He's left yeah. uh, he's a left hander or right hander? I forget. Okay. I just know the scout I talked to the other day just loved Drew Harrington. Nine ninety three, firm late, lively slider. Yeah. Um... This this team is uh, quite loud, and I'll tell you, uh, we, we talked in the meeting, and we talked a little bit about it on the podcast as far as top uh, uh, college player of the year candidates. And it is not a great year for college player of the year candidates. It is a good year for freshman of the year candidates, and you know it feels like Alex Lang and Brendan McKay mm-hmm. are two very easy yeah. uh, candidates. But I. Feel like Brendan McKay is starting to run away with this. Yeah, well, the he's, fa- se- he's separating himself. A he's bit. most valuable freshman.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, the pitching numbers on their own eight and one, one point six five, eighty eight strikeouts and in seventy one innings, and he has four saves too. Before he's in the rotation, he was a, a, a great arm for them out of the bullpen. And then you look at him offensively. I mean, that's just pitching. You look at right. him offensively, and he's batting three twenty three, four forty four, four thirty five. He's batting in the middle of that order. He's he's a protection for Corey Ray, you know. I just I don't know who's who's done better than him on both sides of the ball.
0: He's third in the ACC just in ERA as a pitcher, and he's hit 280 plus with more walks than strikeouts as a hitter. So he's a yeah. He kind of reminds me the whole package reminds you a little bit of Danny Holton as far as like yeah he's not a big time power hitter, but he's a productive offensive player as Holton mm-hmm. was early career at Virginia. Yeah. And uh, and then you throw in the pitching that he's been. Fairly dominant. Uh, I feel like he's kind of separated himself a little bit there. Yeah, Um, he
2: he leads. He's tied for the team leading doubles.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. He's not a Judy, and this is a guy who, when I was doing the top fifty by class at the beginning of the year, he was in that big group of freshmen that I considered. I wound up not listing him as top fifty freshman. The whiff. That that is a massive whiff. I really thought that. uh, I remember talking to a guy about him last year in the draft in uh, the Pittsburgh area that. It was pretty soft competition. It was really hard to figure out. He had this long scoreless inning streak last year. Was it 65 innings? Something like that. So how would that really translate? And the guys that I got wrong, I think I had him. That I thought he would have a little bit harder time. And then J.J. Matajevic, I think is the guy's name from Pennsylvania, who went to Arizona mm-hmm. as a freshman. I thought that Matajevic – I think I put Matajevic on and I left McKay off. Wrong Keystone State freshman for John Manuel. So uh, lessons we're learning. Jimmer, uh Miami and Florida state still pretty secure regional hosts in your mind. Miami didn't really take a big tumble in the RPI despite playing no. NYIT. Yeah,
1: I think they fell a couple spots, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, especially you're still. I think they will still be a national seed. Um Miami is still they're still tricky. I mean, they're second place in the league, they're top 5 in the RPI, but the quality I mean, wins just aren't really there. I like head
0: to head, they lost that game in 17 innings to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Is the rest of their resume so much better for Florida State? I feel like the rest of the resume almost favors Miami a bit. They have that road series win in North Carolina. They didn't get swept by Notre Dame. I mean, mm-hmm. the Notre Dame sweep really—if there's any knock on Florida State, that's really it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, Miami is for me the thing with Miami is they've just they've lost. You know, they only lost to Florida State at home. They lost to Florida. They lost to Louisville. They lost to Virginia when Virginia was struggling, or well, they're still struggling. But anyway, yeah. um, so they've lost all these. You know, they have probably they've lost most of the, the good teams they played, other than UNC. And I mean FSU, their resume. I mean, it's kind of looking down here. I mean, they haven't anything. I Something mean, the Miami series is the best thing they've done. But they, yeah. I mean, they've won some. You know, they took two out of three from Coastal Carolina. That's solid. They swept UNCW. That's solid. Um they did lose that series to Georgia, but...
0: They won the series against Virginia at Virginia. And they
1: did, and they beat uh, NC State, who might be a regional team. I mean, they've... So they've they've mostly taken care of business. There's not anything you can really point to and say, other than the Notre Dame series. Right. You say where, where you can point to and say, well, they really, you know, screwed up, but... Um,
0: Notre Dame. Let's talk about Notre Dame. Yes, Notre I'm Notre touch Dame. on Dame. I'm going to touch on the ACC a little bit. <laughs> Big weekend so far for NC State and Notre Dame. A brutal weekend for North Carolina. <laughs> and, uh... I think we've been talking about North Carolina as a potential regional host, even whether they didn't, whether they deserved it or not. Them in Florida Atlantic, like maybe they get Florida Atlantic, they go to Florida Atlantic, or Florida Atlantic would have to come to them, or they both be regional hosts. Those 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 were yeah. torpedoed. This don't have week. to worry about Jupiter anymore. You know, I don't believe you know. we do, um, and we don't have to. We would not have a regional at Washington Stadium either. I'm I'm confident in saying that, unless North Carolina was, I guess, to win the ACC tournament or something like that. But guys, but the ACC. I guess Notre Dame was on the bubble. When you lose a home series to Northwestern State, yeah. Yeah. you put yourself on the bubble. They're really off that by sweeping North Carolina this weekend. Two big come from behind wins. They were losing one game 5-2. came back to win 10-5. They were losing another game, I think it was 6 nothing, Came back to win that game uh, in walk-off fashion with five home runs. Feels like Notre Dame and NC State put themselves on the right side of the bubble this weekend, Jim. I know it's not over for NC State. They've won eight straight games. They've got to finish a series tonight against West, uh, Wake Forest. Um, but they're on the right side of 500 now. They've got Louisville next weekend. feels like if they sweep uh, Wake Forest, complete that sweep tonight, NC State really puts itself in good shape. Because inside the top 50 RPI, it's mm. not going to go below 50, even if they no. were swept by Louisville, I don't think, because of Louisville's RPI. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. Feeling a lot better about NC State's regional chances.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's been a pretty amazing. I mean, they were pretty much dead in the water going to, into that uh, Virginia series, and they get the two that huge day with the two walk off home runs in one day, and they haven't haven't lost the game since then. But yeah, I mean, obviously Notre Dame, like you were saying, they're they played themselves back. They were they were in good shape. Lose the series, Northwestern State drops themselves onto the bubble. Now they're yeah. back above the bubble, so they're they're all right. They'll probably they're probably back to being a, a two seed again, frankly, but. uh for the Wolfpack you know if they were to lose tonight and lose the Louisville series then maybe right. they could be in trouble um but they're certainly trending up they're in good shape to get into the ACC tournament they may not even have to play one of those play in games which is kind of amazing
0: yeah, if they win tonight <laughs> but, I think they're going to be able to avoid a that 9-10 yeah, game
1: That is kind of amazing but um considering where they come from but yeah so they're they're probably going to I'll probably have them in when I do the uh the field this week I mean depend if they I mean, if they lose tonight then it might be Iffy, but, um, yeah, I mean, for the ACC, it's kind of – you kind of got those three top teams, and you've kind of – I guess kind of Notre Dame is the next team kind of in the middle. Then you've got another drop to like a bunch of – it's still like a bunch of three seeds with State, UNC, uh, Georgia Tech. You know, Virginia's probably on the wrong side of the bubble now if they couldn't sweep Duke, which they really needed to.
0: But, um, how, about, but how about yesterday, though, uh, Mike? Virginia really needed that win pretty desperately – and again, Josh Spores. But I, I just I cannot imagine that anyone on the Virginia coaching staff figured that in a must-win mm-hmm. game, Spores would be our starter. We'd send them seven, and then Adam Hazley would wind up closing for them and pitch the last two innings. <laughs> yeah. And it got a little shaky. Then I they gave up a solo home run. But I mean, Adam Hazley came into that game with five appearances Shit. all year. And in a must-win situation like that, they go to the freshman, and he delivers yeah. the final two innings for his first save of the season. That stunned me when I saw that on Twitter yesterday, and I quickly looked up on my phone. How often has Hazley pitched all year? That just that stunned me. This is just nothing has gone according to plan for UVA right now. They're just kind of and they, right now, I guess they're kind of happy to be in the discussion for the ACC tournament. Yeah, uh, would you are they a regional team in your mind? I mean, I'm not asking you to be Bubble Boy. That's that's uh, that's Jim, but I mean uh, <laughs> uh, to be Field of '64 band. Bubble Boy is a lot more fun to say. It is more fun, yeah. but but I mean, uh, if you were putting them in, if you were on a committee, would you put them in the NCAA tournament? Do they deserve to get rewarded for the season they've had with an NCAA tournament bid?
2: If you just look at their resume alone, I don't think so. I obviously there's a lot at play with them, with how many injuries they've had, with how right. young of a team that they've had a lot of adversity there that they've had to overcome to win the games that they've won but you look at the resume and I just I don't see how, I think I think they're on the wrong side of the bubble like you said I just I mean it's been it's really been you know, I, I, I tip my cap to, to Brian O'Connor and that coaching staff to, you know, bring in Hazley there, and, yeah. and and it's really been all hands on deck, everything they've done. I mean, they have Kevin Doherty, who's been a lefty reliever all year. They've been playing him in left field. They've been yeah. recruiting from the, from the club team. They've been, they've been doing everything that they can do to try to fill roster spots and to try to find guys, but it's just, you know, you don't have Nathan Kirby. You know, not only does he have the lat strain, but now he has mono. So I didn't know that. yeah, so it's you know he's not going to be pitching anytime soon. Brandon Waddell has really had a down year. Yes, he yeah. had
0: a what down year. It would,
2: that was that was a stretch, John. I don't know. I, know. I don't know how I feel about that one. My
0: why. my pun game is nowhere near yours. It doesn't <laughs> keep me from trying on occasion. You have inspired me to try. But <laughs> yeah. it, it's a, it's an ordinary team. Yeah. I'll tell you, what's an ordinary team. Is North Carolina? Yeah, that's an ordinary team. Um, a good team. Wins that series this weekend. Yeah, an ordinary team doesn't, and they're fairly ordinary, and it feels like they shouldn't. But the the reason that they are, it's very simple. If you just look at their stats, and it's not all about stats. But this is a five man pitching staff, guys. And look out! Just you guys might beat me to it, but just check out the ACC numbers of Trent Thornton, Tyler, and Trevor Kelly. Those are their two relievers. Those are their only two relievers, in games that they're winning that they will use. Yeah. on a weekend, and Thornton has five ACC losses. I think he took two this weekend. Kelly's ERA is over four. I think mm-hmm. Thornton's over six mm-hmm. in the league. These guys are good players. They're good college players. We've seen Trent Thornton win or save big games from North Carolina. He's got a good fastball. He's got a good breaking ball, but he's six feet tall. When he leaves his fastball up, it's flat. Yeah. It can be elevated, and... For them to lose two games that like they lost this weekend at Notre Dame, where they were winning these games, yeah, Kelly's one and two in the league. So they have 13 losses in the league, seven to Kelly and Thornton. But Thornton has five of their 13 losses. 6.14 ERA in the league. That's just not. This is a mediocre team, and I'll tell you that they, the loser of the series, North Carolina and Virginia, this weekend, to me. Uh, should be a bubble team. I know North Carolina's RPI is too good for that, Jim. Mm-hmm. But you're just looking at North Carolina's resume. What's on their resume that makes them a regional team? They had a very difficult early season stretch because of uh, all the road games they had to play mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But what's the, like outside of winning a series at Georgia Tech, which is a, frankly again a mediocre the the team, team they're, themselves? What's what's where's the there there? Where's the beef?
1: That's a good question. Yeah, I mean they, they lost at home to Miami. They did, yeah, and they lost to uh, they lost that UCLA series that we've you know, chronicled back in uh, Week Two or whatever it was. I mean,
0: split with Virginia Tech. I mean, really with Virginia. Is, is, I mean, really, is beating NC State two out of three? Is that really enough? Beating NC State and Georgia Tech that that's those are their best yeah. series wins.
1: I mean, it's I mean really, the RPI is the that is the, what they've got going for them. I mean, really, I mean they've yeah, I mean they're what are they thirteen and thirteen in the league? Why? That's so if they've you, just been. Thoroughly mediocre. They haven't done anything that's spectacular. Virginia
0: has a better top one hundred record. To me, if Virginia wins that series this weekend, then you know, here in Chapel Hill, I'll do one of those games. I might be doing two. I don't even know. I'm just too angry at how the mediocre... This league is mediocre. Mm -hmm. And if this league gets seven or or eight bids, that feels like too many. It probably will. This feels like it should be like a five or six bid league. And like North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, NC State should be scratching and clawing for bids. But I feel like most of them are going to get in.
1: Probably, yeah. And it's
0: going to be like a seven or eight bid league. But a bunch of three seeds, like you said, they should... And none of those teams... Are a threat from LSU, I mean, from Louisville, Florida State, and Miami down outside of those three teams. I feel like none of the other teams in the ACC are a threat for Omaha. Is that yeah. fair? Is there a team no, in I think there that's that? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think the most threatening team there to me might be NC State because they're bullpen. They have bullpen and depth and yeah. they are hot. And they do have, I'm not saying they're great hitters, but I wouldn't want to pitch to Logan Rattledge with, with a game on the line. I wouldn't want to pitch to Preston Palmero. There's not one person on North Carolina's roster I'd be scared to pitch to. Same thing with Virginia. Same yeah. thing with Georgia Tech. Kel Johnson can be pitched to. AJ Murray's hot. He's got mm-hmm. 14 home runs now. But these these teams are all pretty mediocre. I guess I wouldn't want to pitch to Biggio for Notre Dame. But State might be NC State might be the most dangerous team out of those teams. A
2: really drawing thing looking at UNC stats. Is their leading hitter in average is Brian Miller? Yeah. who is a freshman
0: walk on, right, and has zero power. Now he can yeah. really run, yeah, but he has zero power. So it's uh, Sky Bowl had a good weekend. He hit a couple home runs this weekend. <clears throat> That's enough. That's more said about North Carolina than they frankly deserve. It's just the. It's an ordinary league. It's more said about the ACC. Yeah. That's my main point. Is this league is soft, and you compare it to the Pac-12. It's just not a strong league, and they celebrated the 60th anniversary of Wake Forest winning the ACC's last mm-hmm. title. If a team in the league, to me, is going to break that, it's going to be Louisville this year, mm-hmm. which would be Very classic, nice. hashtag go ACC, yeah. because you'd have, a team that, you'd have to have a completely new team come in and bail out the uh, the ACC. Um, we did have Tucker Blankenship, longtime listener, longtime t- tweeter, asking us, uh, "This two and two of the final four get NC State on the bubble in? Pen daisy term I think it does I'd say yes yep I think it does um, and uh, Ben Herman uh, enjoyed that uh, you're all idiots haha ha, just kidding TCU's still top five, and you guys coined hashtag inevitable <laughs> so kudos uh, from Ben Herman uh, on our Twitter feed for that I do like inevitable we don't use that probably enough um, the other SEC thing we didn't talk about with LSU. But the team that fell in our top ten guys was Texas A and M, and the Aggies have lost three out of their last four series. Uh, Jim, uh, on the field of sixty four watch, how in danger of not being a national seed are the Aggies? Are they in danger of that? Uh, I don't know how much. I know are if they, us if they keep this them. up, if the they, they keep this yeah. up,
1: they'll be. I think I'll still have them as one this week, but I mean, you know, if they've lost. I mean, losing at home to South Carolina, that's. I mean, we, I mean we, we spent a lot of time on South Carolina last week, and it was a very team that was not hitting at all. Right. And they'd come in and give up 30 runs or whatever it was in those three games. I mean, you know, A&M, they've been, you know, they've leaned on that bullpen. It's been so good, but now it's, you know, I wonder if it's starting to crack a little bit. And They've kind of, they've weathered these, these injuries in their rotation, but... You know now. Um, you know they got. I think Grayson Long was decent, but their other two starters, uh, Hendricks and I think Vincent started the other game. Neither of those guys lasted long, so it's it's it, it's worrisome. I mean they've lost losing at home to South Carolina. They lost at home to Arkansas. I mean Arkansas is good, but so, you know like losing at home. This should have um, been a
0: matchup. Even with its pitching struggling a bit, this should have been a matchup that favors a And M. Definitely. South Carolina is last in the SEC in ERA. And Texas They're A&M, big, is South first Carolina in the basically has one pitcher and right. coupe. That's it. That's it. And then Texas A&M is first in the league in batting, second in the SEC in runs. This should have been a series that would have been a great way for A&M to get well. Yeah. I'm not harsh on South Carolina, but the matchups were the matchups. So I'm very impressed I mean, it's, by Chad it, Holbrook's crew. Stunning the fight they had this weekend. Yeah, you
1: know? that's, that's, that was stunning that South Carolina won that series.
0: That was unexpected, and you had some old-school SEC numbers put up <laughs> offensively in that series. If you didn't score seven runs, more than seven runs, you did not win a game in that series. I mean, seven was a losing number twice for the Aggies. That kind of blows me away. and I don't know that he could win SEC Player of the Year because you've got Bregman and Swanson and Benintendi and these kind of guys, but Kyle Martin, I've had some area scouts bang on him because he didn't sign last year. Maybe... Maybe they got burned on putting their neck out for Kyle Martin, that kind of thing. But that guy's had a massive year, and I know they have more than one hitter because Caldwell and Schrock and have been pretty good. But it's basically a three-man I know it offense. Destino finally
1: had a good weekend too. Pardon? Mm-hmm. I think Destino finally had a good weekend. If he did. I remember seeing. But. He
0: did. But, but it's it's like a one-man, it's a one-man rotation in winecoop with Crowhurst, and it's like a three-man lineup. And they went out there. Did, did South Carolina put itself back in contention for a bid, Jim? Or is, they're at 58 in the RPI. I mean, is that that's still too low, isn't it? It is.
1: They've still got uh, they've still got work to do. I mean, they're 12 and 15. They got LSU coming to Columbia this week. If they were to somehow win that series, yes, unlikely as it is. But if they did somehow do it, then yeah, they'd probably be back in. But that is pretty unlikely, given LSU's the way they're going. I mean, LSU's only lost one series all year, and unless they just decide to give guys the week off, right? But um.
0: So how about this soft middle, guys? Is this a good middle or is this a soft middle? I mean, like Ole Miss.
1: It's looking pretty they, soft to me right now. That's
0: uh, Ole Miss good schedule. They, they, their RPI is deserved in that they really scheduled. Auburn had a pretty good schedule. Their RPI is a little surprising how high it is because they're under, you know, eleven and fourteen in versus the top fifty. But I guess they played twenty five games against the top fifty. Yeah. That's probably what does it. But like Arkansas, like I like Arkansas. I like their team fine. It's not a great team. It's basically. like... Five pitchers there as well. Like the three starters. Yeah, Zach they, they hurt
1: themselves with that. Yeah. The splitting with Tennessee and not getting, not even getting a third game. That was a. They would have hurt, liked to get three wins out of that series. That hurt one.
0: them RPI wise, Jim. it doesn't look like they can be a regional host. Their RPI is fifty. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought much. they deserve to be a regional host, mm-hmm. but I don't see how they can.
1: Yeah, you're, I mean, they're just thirty and nineteen overall. I mean, that's. I mean, that's, I mean, they're in the top twenty-five and they deserve to be, but that's they're not. They're not, they're not Penske material as far as as far as hosting goes. <laughs> nice. Not anymore.
0: But Missouri I mean I think for s- sure and regionals are three games over five hundred.
1: The loser of that Mizzou, Kentucky series, that's that's gonna be Desperation City right there. <laughs> those teams are those combined two teams, seven
0: games over five hundred, and yeah. those are fringy teams.
1: Yeah, I mean they for, for regionals. Yeah, the loser of that is going to be in deep trouble going to Hoover. I think the whoever wins will probably still be all right, especially if Mizzou. I mean, Mizzou's 14 and 13, so if they get to 16 wins, that presumably would get them back inside the top 50, probably get them in the mid-40s. And then if they can win a game or two in Hoover, they should be fine. Mizzou, uh, if Kentucky loses, they're 13 and, well, they lost, I mean, they're down one game, so they'd be 13 and 16. they're They're not getting in unless they do some damage in Hoover, so... Whoever loses that series is in pretty big trouble.
0: Mike, who do you, who do you like from this, this middle? These, we have these top five SEC teams. Vandy, Florida, LSU, and them have been on our top ten pretty much all year. Yeah. Deservedly so. It, w- it would not shock any of us if all four of those teams got to the Cowboys series. You know, that could be... You could have half the half of the, uh, of the field in Omaha be from the SEC, and that wouldn't surprise us. I think I'd actually be surprised if three of those four didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um... But and I think we have Arkansas as a very solid five. But Mizzou, Kentucky, South CAC, Ole Miss, Auburn, those are five other teams that all mm-hmm. think of themselves, and I, we should throw Alabama in this now. Got to have to, yeah. Sweeping yeah. Auburn. They've got a respectable RB, RPI. I think their RPI is higher than they're Arkansas. They're 49
1: here on Warren Nolan, yeah.
0: Yeah, so those... That came out of nowhere. It did. Those six teams are all kind of... Probably all think they're regional worthy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all six aren't. No. But I mean, how many of those six teams, in your mind, is there one of those six teams—Ole Miss, Auburn, Alabama, Missouri, Kentucky, South Carolina—that that you think is the best by a clear margin, or is it just too muddled, too too muddled to call?
2: I think it it is very muddled. I do, especially now that they're they're winning. I do like Ole Miss. Yeah. Because I do like the resume and you know it's a team that we've kept an eye on all year long for the top 25 just because they do have some marquee series wins they yep. do have some nice series wins i mean they beat vanderbilt they took two out of three from florida as well and so i do i do like the the schedule that they have and some of the wins that they have and and they're over 500 now and over 500 in the conference as well. So if they finish strong, you know, they're facing Texas A&M, so the right. final series, so that's going to be obviously a big test for them. But I, I do, you know, out of, out of that that whole group right there, you know, below those top four teams that we we're talking about, I do like them the best. I mean, we'll see how South Carolina finishes, but we've, we've talked about it. They just have one pitcher and three hitters <laughs> right. in their lineup, so it's it doesn't seem optimistic.
0: Well, it, one, one pitcher that they trust. Oh, right. I guess that's the way we should put it. We should, I don't want to harsh on them too much. Yeah. But it's one pitcher right now that they really seem to trust. I mean, Widener, Fiore, yeah. Scott, they've all been iffy as starters or relievers. No one else's role right. is really defined there outside of Winecoop, who right. is, you're the guy we trust. Go give us eight innings. Yeah. Exactly. Nine if you can. Nine, yeah, you preferably. Know, please. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss... Obviously, big weekend this weekend. I would have been, I mean, it's the Egg Bowl in football. I'm not sure. Forgive me, oh, uh, Magnolia State, which I do love for not knowing the nickname of this series. But yeah. they go get that sweep. Um, it's kind of what they had to do, isn't it? They did, yeah. Uh, I guess if they were to win the A&M series and have a strong conference tournament, clearly they're going to be in. Could they even host a regional gym? Is their RPI high enough they could uh, host? Thank you.
1: Yeah, I don't. It's tough to see a team that's only twenty-eight and twenty-four right now hosting, even if they do end up over five hundred in the league. Uh, I just this is another team a, also
0: that's kind of like a two-team, two-man pitching staff. Like yeah, it kind of is. Who's their percent. third guy? I haven't found that third guy all year.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's just been a really a really young lineup there, other than uh, other than Sykes Orvis. But yeah, I mean they they do they do look like they're trending they're getting better. So that was a huge uh, momentum boost this weekend sweeping the. Uh, the Bulldogs there, but I I can't really see them hosting. I mean, I think they get um, so they get A and M this weekend. If they, I still I wouldn't put them as a host. They might get might be able to get up to be a two seed, especially given where their RPI is. But uh, that's probably that's probably about where they where they fit in.
0: I think you, what's fun to watch with the uh, with Ole Miss is I do like Wyatt Short, their closer. It kind of reminds me of Will Startup, uh, who's the closer for Georgia. One of the years they went to Omaha, he wasn't there in 08. I think it might have been '06 or '04 or something there. But a little, a little left-hander, not a lot of physicality, but a lot of toughness. Not afraid to throw a 91 mile an hour fastball for a strike. That's kind of what white Short kind of reminds me of in an SEC um, capacity. Real quick, guys, because I've, I've I've ranted and raved too much today. It's been a long, longish podcast for me today. <laughs> um, two other series that really stuck out to us and got teams uh, well. College of Charleston moved up our rankings, and Jim certainly seems to be moving into regional host position mm-hmm. as they sweep uh, UNC Wilmington to clinch the Colonial, and then the Battle of the Owls. Uh, Mike, you can take you can talk about that one a little bit. Rice right. uh, regaining its place, its rightful place as the front of whatever conference it is in. Have been in Conference USA for a long time now, and they won a conference regular season or tournament like every year since 1996. It's been basically. 19th Street. Yeah, that is as good a streak as there is in college sports. Why don't we start off with that one, Mike? Uh, Rice gets back in the rankings, and kind of their pitching coach, you talked to Patrick Hallmark, coming into the weekend, kind of they're getting right on the mound, and it showed this weekend against the uh, Florida Atlantic Blue Waves slash Owls. Yeah, you
2: can see they're getting rice on the mound. (laughs) Um, That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. You don't (laughs) flinch. You just you just go for it. You go right in, (laughs) no shame. yeah, you know, I I think they are they are getting right on the mound, you know, and I think it starts with Jordan Stevens getting right. him back from Tommy John surgery. They they threw him out of the pen a little bit and brought him up slowly, but he's been he's made seven starts now and and this weekend was was one of his best in shutting down the the top lineup in the conference. Really, yeah. I mean, it's it's a really powerful group. It's you look at you look at all the numbers. They lead the conference in pretty much every category. And especially in walks, too. Um, You know, an astronomical number of walks. And and they held them to one walk in in that first game. It's kind of of an older
0: lineup, too. I mean, like Sanger's a junior, Santiago's a senior. they got a lot of junior college transfers. That's a... That's a group that generally has good approaches. Right. And you have to execute pitches to beat them and it seems like Rice did that all weekend.
2: Yeah, yeah, they did and you know, they got it from from their guys who've been their guys all year. They got it from Stevens, they got it from Matt Dittman, who's a, a veteran in the back end of that rotation and Austin Orweiler was was great for them out of the pen as well, and he's the guy who hallmark. You know, I was asking him about their rotation. I was bringing up guys and bringing up guys out of the pen too. And he's a guy. You know, the one guy who's been the game changer for us this year has been Orweiler, just because he's been able to do a little bit of everything for them. You know, kind of like a, a Brendan McKay for Louisville, where he right. came out of you know the the pen and went into the rotation. It's kind of been the reverse with Orweiler, where he's he's been in the rotation. Now he's in the bullpen. They're giving him important innings. You know, he could close if Dittman doesn't close. He's he's in some ways he's he's been like North Carolina's Trent Thornton. Right. But more effective. Yes. But better. Um and uh so they have him. Kevin McCann has been great all year for them. Uh he he was their Friday starter early on, but now he's he's moved into that Saturday role and he's a he's a quality guy there. So they have the pitching depth and offensively, you know, they've hit well too. Um, john clay reeves has has really provided all the power for them a senior but he 's right. been he 's been very good for them all year long they 're really high on Hunter kopoinnski who 's been catching for them for about the past month or so and he he 's been coming on strong and they have ryan Chandler, uh, the freshman at the top of the lineup who provides a little speed and he is a dynamic player as well so they 're a good group and they're i think they're you know they 're trending upward and I was I mean, I wasn't surprised necessarily that they won the series because I think it was two teams that are relatively evenly matched. But I was a little surprised to see them sweep and to see how they swept Fort Atlantic because Fort Atlantic is such a good hitting team. I didn't expect them to be shut down the way they were.
0: And Jim, is, is, is there a third team in Conference USA that's got a shot? Uh, is this a two-bid league? It feels like it's a two-bid league. Yeah, it's definitely
1: a two-bid league. Because uh, Middle Tennessee
0: of, kind of, yeah, had a really bad weekend and lose a series to Middle Tennessee State this weekend. And that's a yeah. to, to UT San Antonio, I should say. So that's you know good for UTSA, yeah, uh, which has actually got a better RBI now.
1: But. Yeah, I think Middle Tennessee, they were kind of in that – I mean, they've obviously they've got – they do have that good series win against uh, the Florida Atlantic, but they've stubbed their toe a couple times. I think they lost a the series to um, – what, uh, it was Marshall? Like they lost they to, lost to Marshall. Marshall. That was it. Yeah. So yeah, and then they lose to UTSA, which is not terrible. But yeah, I mean, this is a two bid league. Unless someone, unless there's some uh, bid thieving in the uh, tournament there. But yeah, I mean, FAU. You know, we look, like you were, like we said earlier. You can forget. We can think. We can pretty much forget about them uh, hosting. Even though they're still 12 in the R, they still have some credentials. I mean, they're 12 in the RPI. They're 36 and 14. They're top hundred record, and all that's pretty good. But it's just Especially, I mean, they're probably gonna finish in third. They're right. Two, Middle Tennessee is uh, 19 and 8. FAU is 17 and 10. So they're two games in back of just, just being in second place. Let alone uh, three games behind Rice. So it is Conference USA. The third place team in Conference USA is not gonna host a regional. That's how it feels. So I
0: think I'm with you. It Does not feel like the third place yeah. team in Conference USA, as currently constructed, yeah. is a regional host team.
1: So that's that's probably where they're at, and the yeah, the Owls. I mean, the Owls are back in the hosting mix, kind of, almost out of nowhere. Back but they're the they are they're yeah. back from the dead. They're I think they're twenty in the RPI. Them, and, kind of them in Houston and College of Charleston. They've all kind of with these other teams falling off. They've kind of those kind of look like the three that have kind of thrust themselves into that mix there.
0: Will definitely be interesting to see when you do field of sixty four this week. It's going to be an who very host, interesting week. Houston or Rice, because I think those are very similar. Houston with a big series win this weekend against East Carolina, and then College of Charleston sweeping UNC Wilmington gym. They weren't out of nowhere, but that certainly no. puts them squarely in the hosting mix, and they've never hosted. So feels like College of Charleston. I don't think they've ever hosted a regional. I don't believe so. It feels like the fighting Brett Gardner's there. Uh, they need to first of all put a Brett Gardner mustache on their helmets. That would be pretty awesome. And second of all, I think they need to. I, I think they're going well to host. I think they're pretty well on
1: track too. I mean, yeah, they. I mean, they've dominated that conference. What are they, nineteen and two or something? And two. So if you're
0: going to be in a mediocre to bad league, yeah, that's what you got to do. That is it. what you,
1: have, you. You can't just win the league; you got to dominate it. But they have run away. And they've hide pretty much. Them. I mean, they just thrashed the second best team in the conference pretty convincingly, and you know they've won. They've done some good things out of conference. They, you know, they swept or not swept, but they beat uh, Radford, which. Actually, looks like a. We wouldn't have thought much of it at the time, but that's a good series win now. They did. Uh, we would have liked it if they'd won that series against South Carolina, but still, I was on the road, and South Carolina was still at full strength then. Right. So, right, not uh, can't hold that too much against them. And that was early. They were still feeling. It was like early. They were good. Yeah, and they've and they Charleston's won a couple. They they're two and against, two and zero against Coastal Carolina in the midweek games. So they, they've. It's a pretty good body of work. I mean, obviously the CAA is. Pretty terrible outside of those two teams. So you might, but like we said, they've gone 19 and two. That's what they have to do, and that's what they've done. And if they can take care of uh, the fight in Northeastern Huskies this weekend, then, <laughs> that's and, right. then uh, the, the fight in Carlos Peñas, then they should be uh, they should be all right. They probably will. And you know, I was kind of conferring with their um, SID Nick Gladis this morning, and it sounds greed. like they would host. Uh, I've
0: confirmed that with Nick. He is definitely Greek.
1: It sounds like they would probably host at the uh, the minor league park there, the uh, the River Dogs park, but Joseph uh, P Riley. Yep, but uh, sound they are bidding to host, so that's and they're on track to do it. I think
0: you have got uh, next week when uh, conference tournaments are going on. Charleston will be an epicenter. You get the mm-hmm. SoCon at Joseph P Riley Park, and the CAA tournament is at Patriots. It Point is at yeah, but, at yeah. College of Charleston's ballpark. So further, uh, I would think that College of Charleston would have to win the league regular season, which they've done, and the tournament. I would not imagine. Yeah. Uh, if you don't win the league tournament in certainly, if you go out the quickly. CAA, right? Uh, it would be tough to have them host. I think so. They have to keep taking care of business, but they are, I think, on track to host. And finally, speaking of on track to host, is UC Santa Barbara still on track to be a one seed gym? I don't know. They, they can't host on campus unless they were mm-hmm. to bring in lights. They lose the series this weekend at Thornton. They're now in third place in the Big West. Fullerton and Irvine tied for first. They play next weekend. Uh, I remember the Titans, and these are the Titans I remember. These guys are – they pitched very well, even with Garza, uh, you know, banged up this weekend coming out of the start early. Um, but clearly a, a, a big start by Eshelman to win that duel with Dylan Tate. And then, the you know, the, the offense has come on for Cal State Fullerton. It seems like Fullerton's starting to hit, guys. Yep. Um, I don't know, are either of these teams – one seeds or hosts? I mean, could Fullerton host a regional? I mean, their their RPI is getting into that range now, Jim. If they win the league, are they going to host? And Mike, what do you think? Of, what's the ceiling for this Fullerton team? Uh, I guess you have to kind of adjust our. Uh, I, I don't know what team is uh, this team is. Whenever they've gone outside of the Big West, they have not played very well. They've yeah. lost to Indiana, lost that series at Maryland, and yet they're it feels like the they've Stanford gotten better. Too, yeah. It feels like they've gotten better as the year has gone on. Or is it just that they're in? The Big West, and the Big West is weak. Which which of those do you think it is, Mike? Well, I mean, they're pretty
2: impressive this weekend against the Gauchos, a team that led the country in ERA coming into the weekend, yep. and to be able to put up 10 runs like they did on Saturday, and they've been scoring quite a bit in their last 7 or 8 games, putting up some double-digit games, a 19-run game at one point, it's, they are. it's been strange to see, because it it isn't a lineup that, that you look on paper, that's anyone's going to jump out at you, and anyone that you're going to be afraid of, it's kind of a, a gritty, grind-you-out kind of offense, maybe a little too bunt-happy at times, depending <laughs> yeah. on who you ask, but... Yeah, so it, it's been surprising surprising to see, but it could just be a case of just finding the right combination of guys and just here down this final stretch just finally putting it together and getting hot at the right time. And I, I think, you know, I'm not sure if they can put themselves in a position to host, but I, I think wherever they're they're placed in, in the tournament, I think they could be a sleeper team. I think they could be a team that could surprise some people depending on where they're seated and could, you know, maybe advance to a Super Regional perhaps. If they're able, to, with the pitching that they have in a short series, you know, with, with and as long as is healthy, right. you know, and if you get a little offense, you, you could see them, you know, possibly making a run at things.
0: They've won nine of their last 11, uh, Jim. They've certainly figured out a way. I mean, Santa Barbara certainly helped with three errors mm-hmm. on Friday night, but it seems like the approach is better. They worked four walks off Tate. Mm-hmm. They got him out of the game by the end of the sixth inning. He didn't even make it through six. He's the, I was the opposite of Eshelman. They've got a, a lockdown closer in Peitzmeyer. Meyer. I mean, it's fun to say if I'm pronouncing it right, but um, it does seem like offensive. This team's starting to get it. Hakami's good, and they clubbed yeah. him. They, they clubbed him. him around. They really did. So I kind of am of the opinion that Fullerton's a little bit more for real, even though their resume would make me doubt them. But it feels like they're getting better. I, I was impressed by them this weekend. I think the resume says they're more like a two seed mm-hmm. and not really a threat because they aren't offensive enough. There's a little nagging down in the back of my head that maybe they are better than that maybe they are the team that I thought they were to start the year where Where do you fit on the on the Fullerton spectrum
1: yeah I, I've kind of felt along like they might be dangerous in a regional just because of Eshelman. if they get a right matchup if they get like if they throw him in their first game or maybe they get you know matched up with a team that uh is it has its own is pitching is vulnerable maybe they could find a way to win a couple games but yeah i mean what they're doing right now i mean it's hard to believe this is the same team i saw in college park that couldn't couldn't hit its way out of a paper bag really that weekend but they've they've turned it around since then i mean they've what was it, they had the game against uh, i forget who it was they scored 18 runs or something I think that was, was um what was that riverside or someone they they did that too but yeah i mean they've they've kind of found some answers i mean you look tyler steve's been hot he's you know up there at, this against Davey. Olmedo Barrera's been up there. Yeah. I mean, Olmedo Barrera
0: has been pretty consistent for mm-hmm. them all year. That, he's been the one guy who's hit for them. It feels like constantly during mm-hmm. the year. Steve is the guy who's gotten hot, mm-hmm. and he's got some tools. I mean, he could run. Uh, you know, it feels like Estel's provided some power that maybe they weren't expecting. But it feels like their offense is finally starting to figure some things out. And it, and it feels like John Gavin's enough.
1: starting to pitch better too on Sundays. That's kind of a that's helping them too.
0: No doubt, and, uh, and they do have depth in their bullpen. Uh, they do have more than one guy. Uh, and it's not just Peitzmeyer. They do have some depth of arms back there. Just not sure that I don't know if they could win a regional on the road without uh, you know if, if Garza's significantly banged up, and his stuff just hasn't been the electric stuff that he was no. as a freshman or sophomore this year. Just he just hasn't been there, and you know he's listed at five ten. So, you talk to scouts about it and they're like, well, most college guys who are actually 5'10 are listed at 6'1. This guy's listed at 5'10, so what is he really? 5'9? And he's little. He's not a physical guy. Uh, he looks bigger on the cover because of the wig, you know, so that, and the old 70s uniforms. But uh, uh, hard not to root for those guys as far as uh, the way that year has gone. But it, eerily similar to last year where Fullerton was just dead in the water, it seemed mm-hmm. like, and then. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Without, without the, uh, with the suspension. Yeah, without the
1: drama this time. But yeah, they've, they've definitely found some. They've found some magic there. I mean, they've. I mean, they've now they've beaten Irvine and UCSB And you kind of felt that way at the time, just kind of talking to their people that they knew it was still on the table for them because Irvine and UCSB had to come to Fullerton and they were still were in the conference race. So it, right. it was still all it was still there for them. But I mean, they were, the way they were going at that time where they, you know, they get they lose that series to the Terps. They had. Kind of been just kind of muddling along. I mean, they they just weren't. You know, they keep they lost uh, lost the series to Long Beach earlier. Um, they lose. They got swept by Indiana. So it's just kind of. Right. But they've they've found something, and they're and they won a midweek game against USC, which kind of kind of part of the Trojans being a little mediocre lately. But right. I mean, they've they're they're definitely on a, on a nice run. We've
0: well, got UCLA at midweek this week, then Hawaii and Long Beach State. Hot Hawaii. Uh, that's right. Is Hawaii hot? I think so. Yeah, they've
1: they're what they're up to fourth place now.
0: <laughs> I just thought you meant like the Hawaii Not as a yeah. state is hot, which well, is sure true. sure be fun it trip, is. but yeah, it's hot.
1: Yeah, no, they're playing. They're the rainbows are playing well.
0: I'll take your word for it. I ah, haven't checked on want to, out to throw it in there. Did they win a series against uh, somebody last week? That they, was
1: they've won. Let's see, they've won six
0: in a row. They there swept.
1: They swept Long Beach and they swept Riverside.
0: It was they swept Long Beach last week. That and Riverside. A, last Yeah, that's killed. Killed
1: Long Beaches. At large hopes, which were still alive at that time and not so much anymore.
0: I hope that's a three-bid league. I feel like the Big West. I think it's pretty safe to say. I feel like not year a lot, but it's a, a good bet. That's a, I think year in and year out, that's a three-bid league minimum. And in better years, it's a four-bid league. It should be. I feel like it's never quite that way. But uh, that's a long podcast. A lot of college baseball. A little bit of rage. Mike stayed calm and stifled a yawn. So good, all good work. Um, Jim, great job. Mike, great job. You guys put up with a lot uh, for an hour here every Monday. So. I appreciate it. Bad puns, rants, raves. Um, I'm a little bit tired of uh, I'm, I'm a little bit tired of my own ranting and raving and my inability to rein it in. So if you don't like it, email me at podcast dot com. Let me know. But for these guys putting up with it, for Louisville Slugger at Slugger Nation on Instagram and Twitter, and for myself at John Manuel BA. We'll see you next week on the next BA College Podcast. So long, everybody.